In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So first and foremost, listeners, we do apologize for being on hiatus unexpectedly last week. We had um, a bit of a tech problem that was not <laughs> fixable. Uh, <laughs> so uh, or my stupid ass. Well, not fixable for us. Perhaps yeah, exactly. fixable for some, but not fixable for us. Um, I'm not positive because it like I mean my <laughs> audio was real messed up. Like normally there are a lot of things that I'm incapable of that I know other people can fix, but this one I would have been real impressed if someone could fix. And maybe they could have, but I would have been impressed. Yes. So we do apologize for that. Everything has been sorted out as far as we can tell. So we are just going to. <laughs> soldier on crossed (laughs) as though everything is fine which is really all anyone can do in life which is soldier on as if things are fine um (laughs) well come on that's that is literally what life is it's just keep i know but that's it's a right it's a little dark to be like okay everything's fine i mean we're pretending but we're gonna say everything's fine but well yeah yeah i mean even if you're not pretending that it's fine you still gotta keep keeping on regardless (laughs) so like it it amounts to the same thing i guess um i guess so but we don't need to start off with this very heavy duty philosophical uh look at life because where we really need to begin this week, Amy, is I want you to maybe take your mind back, take it back about 10 to 15 years, and just... No thanks. <laughs> Already, no thank you. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, the, the one potential cool thing about taking your mind back 10 to 15 years, COVID I'm hasn't younger. happened yet. So, like, that's Oh, that's true. Cool. Um, I we're guess, both but younger. it's inevitable. Uh, the that, younger thing is more exciting. Although I don't necessarily need to return to being 26, but the, the reason I'm asking you to take your mind back is specifically, I want us to think about, and I want you to share with our listeners, what, what's your take on the fashion of the mm. mid 2000s and early 2010s well here's the thing that time period of fashion I think I am like a little bit blurry on just because when I picture like early 2000s fashion I think I'm picturing earlier than that like I have a very Mm. vivid memory of like my high school fashion and like how 
intensely gross that was. (laughs) (laughs) Was that just because you were in high school or was that because of the era that it was? uh, Both. Like, probably both. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it was, like, full-on, you know, like, full-on glitter, full-on, like, butterfly clips in the hair. Oh, sure, sure, And don't get me wrong, I I was, like, into it and, like, loving life at that time. But, like, looking back... now. Here's even the worst joke of it all. I was in a similar position, but I was four years older than you. I was in college doing that, which is even stupider, I feel. That is, that's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) But, but like, did you have, okay, wait, and then we'll get to the later 2000s. But I remember some of, like, my favorite, like, weird hair accessories was, like, a big. Of course, naturally. In late 90s, early 2000s. But the hair accessories that I remember very vividly were the butterfly clips and not just Uh the butterfly clips that you like do like boop clip the ones that actually had real wings on springs and flew on your head yeah like that they kind of like bobbled a little bit yeah they had little wings that like fluttered on your head those were that those are my favorite and so ridiculous (laughs) and I I also the thing is is like I still I might be willing to have something like that on my head now. Um, but I would just have one, not like right. a whole bunch. <laughs> and it would have to be like for a very specific reason or some type of theme. Yeah, it would party, be part of a like. look. It would be part yeah. of a look. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was all part of a look then. But, okay, there's that, the crazy butterfly clips. And then I also remember, do you remember these things? So weird and like also not cute. And not comfortable were the ones that were, I don't even know how to describe it, but they were like teeth that like went in your head and it, but it was like, it, um, it was a circle. It would go all the way around your head and it just was like teeth. I don't, I honestly don't oh, know Oh, those it. weird headbands. Yeah. And it yes, just made I know you exactly look like you what had... you're talking about. So it was like, yeah, and your just... hair was like, not tight to your head necessarily, but like the front, where the headband pulled back your hair would be pulled back hair and then especially for yeah. us the back would be like massive afro poofing out the back either that or i'd put it up like i'd have it up like so weird it was like that's crazy weird pulled choice. back and also up weird. i had lots of weird hairstyles that i remember like <laughs> at, like high school i also did another crazy whatever doesn't matter so i have more vivid memories about that time period in fashion like 2007 is when I graduated college. Don't worry about it. I'm old. But the but I don't remember fashion being like I don't remember a lot of like yeah. what exactly the fashion was then cuz I was just like trying to be like what the hell is my life? <laughs> That's fair enough. Um I mean, so here's the thing. The thing the show we're talking about today really can give you back the memories from that specific window of time. <laughs> And because yeah. I was really getting that vibe when I was watching this, because yeah. um, I I think that the easiest way to do it is to, for us. To, I'm gonna walk you through from the top to toe what was happening yeah. with people, and most okay. of what I'm saying is unisex, which is to say there are some slight tweaks depending on whether you're a man or a woman. But for the most part, what I'm about to say is true regardless of that. Okay, so. And some of it does, it's like, it's, it's, for lack of a better way of saying it, it is seemingly a natural progression from the era you remember best to this other era. Both are bad. 
but like bad. bad in different ways. So like one of the things that I think carries through is that when it comes to a person's hair in the mid 2000s mm-hmm. to early 2010s, it had the word to describe it chunky. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. And and I mean that chunky both in terms of cut that you're doing to <laughs> yeah. your hair as well as whatever color situation you might be doing to your hair. It's just chunky. <laughs> like just yeah. chunks yeah, yeah, yeah. for days. Like um, if you've got short hair, also, again, man or woman, make sure it's spiky. Um, yeah. Make sure it's got some kind of intensity of color happening as well in it. Yeah. And also with that, it brings me back to like, and this is still true now that like mainly straight hair is what's in fashion. So like I would burn the shit out of my hair. Like I would straighten it in high school. I can't remember if I did it more in high school or college, but I would straighten the hell out of my hair. Like I didn't want it curly. That was not the look. No, um, that's right. And that carried through this period as well. We don't, we have not yeah. gotten to beachy wave time. Yeah. Like it's still very ri- harsh, straight hair um, yeah. across the board. Um, mm-hmm. Then as you move down, um, <laughs> we're still pretty much, again, this is more of a woman thing. Still, we're plucking our eyebrows a bit too much. Um, not as much as before, but it's still a bit aggressive. The other thing that we're still doing is we've yet to get to a point where we want to suggest that moisture exists on a person's face. Um, we're doing (laughs) a lot of work to try and make it look like your face is, um, how would I describe it? Your face is it just should... like matte makeup? Is that what you mean? Well, sort of. It's more just like whatever you're doing, less with your makeup and more with like your face washing routine is all about sucking moisture off of your face. Oh, so, interesting. So that your face looks like the face of a old-timey Greek or Roman statue. That's like what you're going for. <laughs> In terms that does of not like seem attractive texture. Um, oh, I do not remember that part. Yes, because like now, if you look at like really, I I've been noticing this because now I'm a middle aged woman and I notice people's facial skin more than is appropriate. <laughs> um, like when you watch TV and look at magazines and stuff now, um, you can tell that it's like quite dewy is the look yeah. and people's face shine and a in a way yeah. that in this time people be like oh shine you don't want shine on your face right like, okay um, yeah interesting and if you are gonna have shine on your face it's from your lip gloss or your eyeshadow it's not from oh for sure uh, yeah this I think this might also be the era of like when people and I, and by people I also include myself in this used bronzer as makeup because it was like that tan shit happening. Ooh. Ooh, the bronzer phase was uh, bad, for, yeah. especially for people. Again, I will say like us, problematic, right. pale because as fuck. we are very <laughs> pale, so it looked real weird. <laughs> 
Of course, at the time I felt I looked great, but yes. Um, oh, I was like, look at how my skin is orange and sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> Surely really this is attractive. a look. This is a look for the ages. Um, <laughs> as we move down, what you're gonna want to see around your neck, a very skinny scarf. <laughs> Yep. And very not skinny. for keeping warm. It doesn't keep Oh, no, warm. no, 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 no. No. I mean, you would wear this very skinny scarf all year round, regardless of temperature. Yeah. I mean, um, and you know what that I'm thinking of now? It They're also, they were super long usually. Like, they would yes. go all the way down past your belt or, like, past oh, your, like, yeah. Oh, they should, it should go to your knee. <laughs> And you know, and you know what I'm thinking about that? That is a choking hazard. And that is also <laughs> like that's also like a someone strangling you hazard. Like if someone could strangle you real easily in that. Yeah, like definitely don't ride your bike to work if you're also gonna Oh be my god, that. you're gonna get decapitated. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, you're gonna strangle yourself because that scarf is gonna get stuck in the spokes of your bike. Yes. And then yes, you're gonna exactly. just eat it. Um, yeah. So then beneath your neck, layered shirts. Mm-hmm. Or if not actually multiple shirts, a shirt that layered looks like look. it's multiple shirts. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's important. I definitely had some of those, I think. I know I had at least a couple that I really quite liked. And again, thought I looked really good in when I wore them. <laughs> I'm, like, genuinely trying to remember what I wore in college, and I kind of, like, can't. It's oh, It was well. kind of, I mean, yeah, because you finished college, but, like, it was, I, I forget, a friend of mine recently, we were talking about this similar era, and she was like, remember when we, like, wore business casual wear and thought it was sexy? Because it's also that era of wearing, like, a tiny vest. Oh, oh, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, because I don't remember <laughs> so... I don't remember so much what I wore in college, but I do remember what I wore to my job in college. I was a hostess at a restaurant, and I wore a vest, like, every time. And it wasn't a vest, like, that they gave me as, like, a <laughs> uniform. As it was, like, a vest that was mine, that I was, like, this is what mm-hmm. I wear. <laughs> I had and I multiple. Wore it not at work, too. Yeah, I had multiple tiny vests that I wore. So bad. Unironically. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Mine wasn't super tiny. Mine wasn't like, I know there were ones that literally look like calling it a vest is like generous because I know there are ones that literally were like almost like a bookshelf. Really? Like uh, there's really literally ones that like just go under your boobs and that's it. It was like, yeah. Yeah. Mine wasn't that, but like. Yeah, this vest thing. Wow. Okay, that just unlocks. You know what's like, funny is like I've now been through two eras of vest wear as a person. Really? Yeah, because there was, was also the a nineties vest time. It wasn't oh, tiny vest. Okay. It was like more normal suit style okay. vest. I bet um, you the vest thing will come back for sure. I'm I'm sure that it will. And you know that's what I was about to say is like every time it comes back. People get so you into, fall into it the trap. for a second, yes. and then as soon as it's because oh, it's a fleeting, the best yeah. thing is always fleeting, and people go into it full, like 
Maybe it's because people well, actually secretly about... love vests because they get really yeah, jazzed when it happens. I think that they do. Because I was just thinking, like, if vests came back in, I 100% would get on board somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, they don't really match my aesthetic anymore, but, like, I feel like I'd try to figure out a way to make it work. Well, even now... There's something about it. Uh, even now, I can think of a cool outfit that I would wear teaching that would incorporate a vest. Um, totally. I would, fig- I would figure something out. I mean, I never go anywhere, so, like, I would probably never have to wear it. But, like, if I was forced to go in public, like, I could figure something out. Yeah. And maybe that's what it is, is the world wants a vest. We always want it. I think it. so. But, and so that's why when it comes, people go hard into the trend, like, really yeah. wanting it. And it's, but ironically... As like that when it's it. over, people are like, "Ugh, vest, gross!" Like it may be, <laughs> it may be the most. Um, how would I describe it? Like the item Polarizing. of fashion. Yes, that people themselves will like in your own internal brain. You'll be like, "I fucking love vests," and then six months later, you're like, "I fucking hate vests." <laughs> like, um, and and every it's ten so years. Every 10 years, you're going to go through that. Um, we're due for a vest phase. I think we I mean, are we're due. due. Uh, we're due we're for still like two, lots of... We're still... Oh, well, actually, say, no, that's right. Because we're, we would be in the 90s vest version at the moment. Which I don't love, to be honest. But... The big one? You like the tiny yeah. one? I like... You oh, know what I like? I like in the middle. I like a yeah. vest that for me with a female body type like I want it to be fitted to my body not like tight yeah. but like fitted to my body yeah. and I want it to be oh I want it to be like the vests that Janet wears in the good place that's what I want totally to yes like. 100% and I think yes where 100%. it could also be like it could even because it's like designed the way it is I could even wear it as a shirt <laughs> Excuse me. um Bless you. yes 100% I think thank you I think Janet brought back vests. I know, like I think totally. that is what everyone wants to look like in a vest and thinks that they do look like in a vest. <laughs> and I think oh generally they're wrong, but I do think we're due for a vest. I think we're due for, you know, Mount St. Helens to blow and a new vest <laughs> face. <laughs> you hear you heard both of those first here on See You Next yeah. Weekend Space. Um yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the prowl now for a vest because now I really I actually kind of want one. Um, <laughs> I do, but so anyway, now we're we've gotten, gonna bring them back. Yes, but now we've gotten to the best part of this era of fashion, which okay. is the jeans. Mm. And by best, I mean worst. Um, okay, because. First of all, this is when you may decide you want to wear some sort of a statement belt. Yeah, okay, okay. So that's already not great. Yeah. And then you get the weirdest of all to me, which was we're still in flare time for women in terms of jeans. Um, Men, baggy. Not sat, not like sagged, but super baggy to a degree that is almost ridiculous looking. 
Um, yeah, it's not a good look. And then the thing that is true across, again, regardless of what gender you are, your jeans will be dark as night along the sides, white as day on your thighs. <laughs> that like, also, that is such a bad, I, the, like, who, who did that look good on? I mean, no you good. had to be, you, I, I think it's more like, I, I don't know. I guess I just, ne- I th- I don't think I loved this even at the time. I think I would always try, try to find things that weren't quite as pre-distressed as what yeah. was always happening. Um, but yeah, it's a weird choice more just to me. Cause I'm like, this is like a really intense contrast and it doesn't that's, look good. And that's like fine some of the time, but can I also just get a pair of jeans that's just one color Regular. for other times when I want just one color? Like, can I do and that? I, <laughs> yeah. But so that's basically, so all of this, listeners, we've taken you through the joys of many years of fashion and personal, <laughs> the personal hell it inflicted on us at various times. But there's a reason we're talking about this because the show that we watched for this week uh, is from this era, specifically from 2007 to 2011. So, Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about this week? (sighs) So we're talking about a show called Primeval. Yes, it ran from 2007 to 2011. Specifically, we're talking about an episode called Dragon Tales, which was... Season 3, Episode 7, and uh, originally aired on May 9th of 2009. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking about now as I read this, and just if it helps anybody to visualize, it's not spelled prime evil like prime space evil. Right. It is prime evil, one word, P-R-I-M-E-V-A-L. And I don't know if I get that for this show. Well, primeval is just, it means like old, super old, old, olden days. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Okay, then that that does make sense. (laughs) That does track. Yeah, so actually, I, that was a stupid way to describe it. Let's go ahead and Google what the actual definition of primeval is, just so that I can say it more correctly. And you... and we definitely <clears throat> pronounce it that way, not like primeval. No, <laughs> like primeval medieval. is a cord, it's an adjective and it means of the earliest time in history. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's okay. what we're talking then, about. Um, gotcha. And I feel like uh, the last, when we recorded this and had a problem the last time, I feel like what you said was like you spent quite a lot of, this episode wondering things and having questions about things. Yeah, and I didn't... Oh, yeah, 100%. And I didn't even think about the fact that I didn't understand what the name of the show meant. I just kind of glossed (laughs) over that. But, yeah, there were definitely... There was lots of wonderings throughout. I didn't follow up on any of the wonderings, really. No, and and really you need those for this podcast work because it's just like... Because then the rest of today's episode would me just be me talking, and you'd just be sitting there like, "Yep." <laughs> no, there's always yep. me wondering a thing or two. So, 
The IMDb description of this is, when strange anomalies start to appear all over England, Professor Cutter and his team must track down and capture all sorts of dangerous prehistoric creatures from Earth's distant past and near future. Do you have any questions already? Yeah, kind of, because I guess, like, the initial thought, like, just from that description, I would question, like, why? Like, okay, so, yeah, these anomalies start to appear, which, a.k.a., from my viewing, like, portal doors, let's call them. I feel, you know, like, something Mm -hmm. like that to different times. And, okay, so these different times kind of open up. I mean, I guess I understand that, and they have to track down and capture all the dangerous prehistoric creatures, but what if they don't escape? What if people just continue to stay in their time and just don't go through the door? Well, that's the thing. That's what I don't understand about any of these types of shows. It's like, just don't go through the door, people, and we'll all be fine. Well, I guess in the context of this show, the thing that would be said is that Typically, people don't go through the doors between different time periods. It's these creatures who don't know any better bust through. And then Mm. it's like a problem, of course, because it's like, you know, a Tyrannosaurus Rex needs to exist in Tyrannosaurus Rex times. It can't exist now. Um... They and never so that's, talk about, like, the time-space continuum in this show, do they? Like, not in what, this episode, but in the oh. larger show, they talk okay. about it. Okay. Yeah, because, like, the thing is, is that um, you might ask, why? what's this anomalies thing? Why are they there in the first place? Yeah. And <laughs> the show... And I've watched some of the episodes that are not the one we're talking about today in the hopes of having mm-hmm. some kind of answer. I don't because I haven't gotten far enough in it. Um, cool. <laughs> but basically the show is positing that something bad happened to the time-space continuum, which is why these anomalies exist now. Um, okay. And because, now- again... Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> Now, okay, so maybe, and maybe my understanding of the time-space continuum is incorrect, but, like, I guess I would be curious if there's ramifications for them, like, say, touching a dinosaur or something. Mm, Like, does that mm. change, like, butterfly effect type of stuff? Like, is that the same thing? So, I I feel like they managed to gloss over that issue. (laughs) By virtue of the fact that it's mostly animals coming through rather than people who are conscious of what's happening. And actually, today's episode is a bit of that Well, yeah, like, for example, like, that little boy that we'll talk about later, he'll be like, remember when that weird lady came here and started talking to me out of nowhere? Well, and even the main knight in this one, like, that potentially could be a problem. But, I mean... I think the thing that they, they're trying to posit is that, well, this is the other thing. It's like, they're saying that the space-time continuum has gotten broken, but like as with most of the, most any show that takes on like a long-term time paradox or time travel thing being like a main component in what they're doing, stuff mm-hmm. gets weird very quickly because you're, 
then you're like, okay, so the time-space continuum has been disrupted, but that means that it literally, I don't, it could be disrupted at any point in the time stream. Like, so, you know, because like if it it could happen relative to my position on time, it could be in the future, it could be in my present, it could be in the past. It doesn't really matter it, as once the time space continuum is broken, it's broken. Like, okay. um, and it's broken across the entirety of the time stream, right? Like, um, okay. <clears throat> so this, so not just this show, but any show that does deal with these kinds of things, this then ultimately is like the difficulty because it's like, oh shit, like, when, so if we're trying to find, quote, the origin of why the time-space continuum is broken, this is a very, now this is a complex problem. Right. 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 Um, uh, in terms of this show specifically, um, I think they maybe do try and get into that at some point, but um, mm. I don't remember and I don't, I can't tell from the Wikipedia page necessarily, but what's more, I think, relevant here is that um, this particular show was born actually out of a documentary series, which is kind of interesting. Um, That's very concerning. <laughs> yeah. So the one of the people who created Primeville is a guy named Tim Haynes, who was a director of a documentary on the BBC called Walking with Dinosaurs, which mm. was... Um, you know, basically taking at the time, this was like the early 2000s, taking new CGI technology and um, kind of rendering dinosaurs into landscapes and trying to basically do a nature program about dinosaurs, if that makes sense. Mm, okay. And so that was wildly I popular. I mean, it's mm. basically like... Yeah, like if you like to watch Planet Earth or something like that, um, yeah. any of those numerous animal documentaries you could watch, nature shows. It was like, we're doing that, but we're, the animals we're showing are dinosaurs. So, to, so like, you know, all of the various research about how they behave, what they would do, blah, 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 blah. That's like based mm -hmm. on real information. But then to show it, we need to create them out of CGI. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so this documentary series or nature program, I don't know what would be the best way to describe it, um, was really popular. I think it's like the most popular documentary that the BBC ever uh, produces. And hmm. so... So uh, Tim Haynes is like, oh, I wonder if there's like a fictional show that could still use the same technology and might be popular because people seem to love to watch dinosaurs do things and kind of interact <laughs> in the world. Um, and so because the BBC had had such success with the uh, documentary series, BBC is like, okay, great. Yeah, we'll do your science fiction show. Sounds like fun. But... Uh, what's interesting is that this was kind of like the early to mid 2000s and this is the same time that the BBC is revving up to do um, what would now is still going on which is like the new iteration of Doctor Who 
And quite a lot of, like, time and material and resources were being dedicated to that by by the BBC. It was meant to be this very big deal thing that it was coming back. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the time, and this to me is very strange because I don't think of this show and Doctor Who as similar in any way. And I don't think the descriptions of them sound similar. But at the time, everyone was saying, oh, this primeval thing is just a ripoff of Doctor Who. And it's so strange. Yeah, I, I, I mean, mean, I and I don't know what the I don't know what the on paper description of Doctor Who is, um, but definitely, I mean, I, I I don't know, but I mean, once you see it, you don't. Other than the fact that they're British in both, <laughs> right? There's like none of the same vibes because it really. I mean, is I like, suppose. Yeah, I suppose like I I yeah, we don't know what kind of descriptions were going out to people at the time. Yeah, but like. Especially, like, the the way this... Maybe it's like, oh, well, because this is about time travel. This other one's got time stuff in it. This one has right. a main guy with a team. This one has a main guy with uh, an assistant. You know, like, um, yeah. or a companion. I mean, there are those sorts of things. But I'm like, yeah, but, like, this other, other one is that, going though. into space. And, like, doing... Like, the time stuff is only sometimes what matters in Dr. Doctor Who it's like there's lots of other crazy shit that happens in that that like whereas this one is like vibe really is just like totally different like that it's like it's almost like saying like oh we we have one funny show on tv right now we can't have any more funny ones yeah we've got excuse me everyone we have one sitcom with a fat guy and a skinny wife we simply cannot have more (laughs) and i mean i wish they would have done that quite honestly i know i know um, you know the stop at king of queens were good like we don't need another one (laughs) but like um (laughs) right like that's the only one that's good um and good i think on that is a stretch at best I like that show, but fair enough. Um, the, But, yeah, it's just, it's funny. I mean, again, I don't know what the descriptions were, but, yeah, I do not. Yeah. I do not no. see them similarly. So the result of that is that BBC ultimately passes on doing the show, and then the show goes over to ITV. And this also is kind of like um, then what ends up happening is that uh, the show kind of goes through a series of different production companies uh, and never really settles in. I think in part, probably why the production companies are very keen to like offload this is on the one hand, it's very expensive to do all of this CGI effects work. Yeah. But then as mm-hmm. well, like right in the midst of all of this, the global financial crisis happens in 2008. And so then a variety of different production companies are like just anything that's like not really performing, cut it. Like Mm, we're not doing it. Um, So this show bounces around quite a bit. Um, The only reason I actually watched it kind of at the time that it was out and the reason why I was aware of it is because it was on Sci-Fi Channel in the U.S. Um... And so to me, it looked as though it was always, um, you know, like from the same source. 
But in reality, in the UK, it was bouncing around quite a bit. Um, And so even though, like, when you look at this in terms of, like, critic scores and general kind of audience enjoyment of this, it usually does pretty well. Um, But Mm -hmm. between various, like, financial concerns and a cast turnover rate that even for British TV is kind of shocking. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, like British shows are much more willing to, for example, like kill off the main star and then have it really be like, no, <laughs> that person's really dead. Like they're, they're, they're not coming dead. back. Um, or yeah. they'll say like, um, you know, uh, that person went away to take a new job. And like, whereas in many American shows, it'll be like, oh, they went away for like two weeks and then they'll be back. It's like, no, no, no. That right. person took a job away. And then then they always are all like, yeah, they took a job in New Zealand. It's like, what can we pick as the farthest away place for them to go? <laughs> so there's no possible way that anyone can think they're coming back. Um, and so I think in that sense, all of these things kind of um, coalesced so that this show, even though it was popular and did fairly well most of the time um by 2011 it was like we need to shut this down we can't continue yeah um in terms of the cast again like I was just saying by the time so we're into uh, season three of this show and by the time we get here uh a number of uh main characters have already shuffled around quite a bit Mm -hmm. um So the leader of the team now is a character named Danny Quinn, who was played by a 43-year-old Jason Fleming, who um, I recognized when I saw him in this. I, I hadn't realized he was in this. I recognized him from other things. Um, oh, really? And in particular, I think probably where I recognized him from uh, was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen um, and From Hell... So various like kind of um, British and American co-production type of things. Um, okay. He he also was in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which I've not seen, but was quite a big hit in the late nineties. Um, so he in the in the realm of like British actors, especially at this time, he would have been quite recognizable. But. Um, it does seem from his profile in IMDb that this period where he was in this show marks kind of the end of his really kind of like hot streak, I would say. Um, mm. Like he's still working now. It's not like he's gone into oblivion or anything. Um, but like I feel as though for actors, there's often like a little chunk of their career where it's like, They seem to always be working. They seem to be in a lot of stuff. Um, Their star seems to not just be on the rise, but like really doing quite well. And then it's not that the person stops having work, but like that kind of like really constant. um, Yeah, that's not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, and it's like most people. And it's not. Even necessarily, I mean, you can never tell if that's because they were like, I'm overworked or if it's just like, I don't know, the industry itself kind of moves on to somebody else. Um, but yeah, I think a little bit of both probably. Yeah. But this is his kind of like last bit in that period of time. Um, he is, however, 
And this is for you, a film in a film called Lost Christmas. Um, oh, yes. I need to remember to watch that. Yes. And I believe, unfortunately, listeners, what you'll miss out on is we had a great talk about how Amy's <laughs> already watching Christmas movies. Um, and I've continued. It hasn't changed. I We don't need to go into it again. I don't think we can capture the magic <laughs> of that again. I'm sorry to say. Um, but it is striking uh, how much you love a Christmas film. So I just, every time I see anyone in one that sounds weird, I'm like, Amy better know about Lost Christmas. Yeah, I gotta look um, it up. So next we have a character named Connor Temple, who's played by a 30-year-old Andrew Lee Potts, who um, seems to have started out doing child acting and then just carried through into adult acting. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, like while he was in this show, he was also in another British TV show that was filming at the same time and seemed to run more or less about the same period of time called Ideal. Mm. Um, So he as well seems like he was having a bit of a hot streak at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I believe when we recorded the previous version of this, I revealed that at the time of watching this show, um, I thought this guy was really, really good looking and you were horrified. I was, and then I realized kind of, he was like, because the way you described him, because I couldn't remember exactly what he looked like, the way you described him was not great. Right, because I said he was wearing the pork pie hat. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And then I did look up Which, in my defense, at the time, that was considered appropriate clothing, which that's why I felt like we needed to talk about that at the top of the show. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And, like, but it just, like, to me now, like, a hat like that is a little bit synonymous with, like, a douchebag. Yes. Currently, that is fair. I would say that is fair. But yes, like, but I did look him up, and I and I and I will retract being disgusted by it because he right. Was and cute. then you I mean, saw his outfit, his style. His style wasn't his fault. Like th- that, no. he was. We just all were a making the time <laughs> style mistakes as as yeah. we outlined. Everyone was making style mistakes. Everyone was um, in left, the right, same and center. fashion boat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as well what really like sums it up is like I'm pretty sure when when he plays this character in this show, he's often in fingerless gloves as well, <laughs> which is just like, oh no. Like everything yeah. is wrong. Um and finger and to be clear, fingerless gloves like for the fashion, not like because right. he's correct uh, riding a motorcycle or <laughs> working or doing something of no, a specific no, 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 need no. to have that. No, absolutely not. Um, So he's still around. He's still working. um, But again, like this seems to be a bit of a high point in his career. Um, We'll see if maybe something else comes down the pipeline for him. But this may be kind of the moment. Um, I also Mm -hmm. wanted to make a point of saying that Andrew Lee Potts at this time was engaged to his co-star, 28-year-old Hannah Spirit, who plays Abby Maitland. Um, And probably when this show came out, she was the most recognizable person Mm. on the team because she Mm -hmm. was part of S Club 7. Yeah. 
And I this didn't is know a lot maybe, about them. They, I don't. Well, because they're a British pop group, and so maybe here we should like drop in a little scotch of whatever their biggest hit is, which I don't know. Oh God! part of a um, kind of seeming strategy that she's making at the time to do acting work. She also appears in the film Agent Cody Banks 2. Um, and isn't Agent Cody Banks, isn't that, um, fuck, who is that guy? Frankie Muniz as oh a spy? <laughs> that sounds like that's right. I don't actually know. Like, I... Um, that I don't know, but it sounds like I think I think it was like a kid as a spy, no, something like that. Yes, it's definitely a child spy. What I'm trying to remember is who it the is. Frankie, child it is, is Frankie. Yeah, it is Frankie yes. Munez and um Hillary Duff. It looks like no, it's not Hillary Duff. It's her. No, this is as his Hillary like, Duff. No, I'm talking about Agent Cody Banks too. Oh, in the second one. Oh, in yes. the second one. Oh, it's her. Okay, okay. Yeah. When he goes to London, oh, apparently. Oh, Anthony yeah. Anthony Anderson yeah, is right. also in oh, this movie. Cute. Weird. Destination London. Oh, my God. That's funny. Oh, Anthony Anderson. Yeah, he's that... Um, what is he from? Uh, Blackish and various other yeah, blackish. things. Oh, um, my God. That's funny. Anyway... Yes. So well, should we that, watch that one? <laughs> Agent Cody Banks. Should we watch Agent yeah. Cody Banks too? I don't know how yeah. science fictiony it is. I mean, I suppose it's mm. kind. No, I, maybe that's more fantasy that a child would become a secret agent. Probably. Um, it's called Action Family, so I guess not. Yeah. It has fourteen percent um, on Rotten Tomatoes, so I have a feeling it's yeesh. not great. Omg, that's bad. <laughs> that's real bad. <laughs> Um, that's pretty funny though. That's like maybe as bad as um, nothing but trouble or something. Um, anyway, this and I guess Agent Cody Banks too are her acting debuts. Um, Love it. And she kind of sticks around doing acting for a bit, but by 2018, her credits on IMDb stop entirely. Um, and I have to assume that maybe for her, it's like. I am done. Um, yeah. Because I, you know, she surely has some S Club 7 money. Um, mm -hmm. And then as well, and I think I maybe mentioned this when we did this before, like, she's, you know, she would have been in this pop group right at the peak of when, like, one, it was like everyone loved pop music. It was really aggressive. The paparazzi thing was <laughs> truly insane. Um, yeah. And so I do wonder if for her, it was like, I spent, you know, all I'm these years with like um, under a microscope. And yeah. I just shall not 
continue doing 100%. that. 100%. I'm, you know? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe as well, it was a bit like if I were getting better acting roles, then, you know, Possibly whatever. Too. But like, it's not even that great. So it's I think not I'm worth just gonna... it for this. Yeah. 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 Um, finally, we have uh, a character called Sarah Page. She's the last kind of team member we need to know about. And this is played by a woman um, that probably pronounces her name Layla. Last name Ruas. Uh, she's 38 when this episode comes out. And this for her seems like it might be her breakout role um, because she goes on to do quite a lot of stuff after this. Um, mm-hmm. And in particular, she soon after this becomes a series regular on a British TV show called Holby City, which I don't really know what that's all about. Um, let's see if I can find a description of that. In my mind, I would imagine it's like some kind of like, uh, I don't know, like doctor show, but I don't think that's really, really what it is. Why does Holy um, City sound doctory to you? Uh, oh no, I was right. The everyday lives, professional and personal of How the do doctors, nurses, that? and patients. I don't know. Did you know that? Did you know that like some, in, but Okay. Did you know that, like, you had some kind of weird recollection of it? Because Holby no. City doesn't sound doctory. No, I don't think, you know what it is? Like, I don't have any, You're I, I, well, there's that. Um, and also, I watch a lot of other British TV. Okay. So, so maybe, like, somehow, there's some type of osmosis that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's been a series regular in that, uh, and she has Mm. some new stuff coming down the track. Uh, and then finally, finally, we have The Night, and that's right, this is a TV show about dinosaurs that in this episode (laughs) also includes a medieval knight, um, played by a 40, (laughs) yeah, played by a 40-year-old Tony Curran, um, who I think if you were to, like, show pictures of these people to somebody now, he's the one who somebody would be most likely to recognize. Um, really? Because he has the most credits of anyone, whereas everybody else has maybe between 20 and 40 credits. He has 119. Um, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, he, and in part that's because his career begins um, in TV, uh, in British TV, I should say, doing a lot of like, you know, single appearances um, in different mm-hmm. stuff. So that's, you can build up your credit list quite a lot off of that alone. Yeah. Um, but then he goes on to have varying kind of degrees of big roles in things like Pearl Harbor. He's also in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, he's in The Flash, the TV show The Flash. Um, he mm-hmm. is a character in a mini series based on the book The Pillars of the Earth. Um, and the place I recognize him from, when I realized this once I did this work, he plays one of the werewolf guys, one of the lichens in an Underworld movie. He's in Underworld Evolution. Oh. Um, okay. So uh, he's got stuff coming too. Um, but yeah, my my money is on if you showed like photographs of these main characters to people, he would be the guy that they'd be like, oh yeah, this guy, I've seen him okay. somewhere. Um, but I don't think anyone could necessarily, yeah, that's what Make I mean. Like, where? 
Right. They're just like, I know I've seen that yeah. guy. Like that's yeah, yeah, more yeah. or less what we're dealing with here. Yeah. So in terms of this particular episode, we're dealing with a situation where there are actually two sets of anomalies because there is clearly an anomaly in the medieval era and then there is also an anomaly that connects the medieval era to the present. Because, now this is probably where you would have had your first series of questions. Because I, as always, send you an email each week that says, we're going to watch this thing. And I don't ever say more than that. I never give yeah. you any kind of guidance about what to expect. But yeah. what, you, what I would imagine you might have reacted with when you saw the first opening minutes of this would be like, how come if this is a science fiction film, we're looking at a church in the middle ages? Yeah, that's, that was, yes. Cause that's where we open. We're in a church. There's people dressed in like medieval garb. Um, and they're all seemingly quite scared because there's some kind of thing screeching outside um, and this is where we're introduced to the knight. The knight is Sir William, and he, the priest is basically giving him this task that says, you need to save us from this terrible beast that has been, like, marauding through the forest. Um, and so then uh, Sir William, like, busts through the church doors on his horse already. He rides out into the forest, <laughs> and then what we see him encounter is this creature. Now, because it's primeval and because presumably the audience who's been watching this the whole time, we know that while the knight thinks this is a dragon, what it actually is is a dinosaur. Um yeah. and so And I will tell you that I was I was confused. This is where the first confusion was because the they kept calling it a dragon. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that looks like a dinosaur. I'm confused. So I, that, that was my first point of confusion. Right. Because all the medieval people are referring to it as a dragon. Um, yeah. And the modern day people, I think, sometimes fall into the uh, kind of I like... they did too a little bit. Too. Yeah. Because it's kind of easier to call it a dragon than a dinosaur And the for some title reason. of the episode was called Dragon Tail. So I was like, maybe it's is a drag like I definitely right was, uh, but uh, don't you remember what you pointed out when we recorded this before? yes I know I, I was confused because I was also like that thing's not breathing fire and it's not flying that is a shitty dragon correct so, because it's not a dragon <laughs> in fact it is a dinosaur right um so that's what I mean so like in this time travel show um there's, there has been some kind of breakdown in the time-space continuum such that the medieval age and whatever, like, Cretaceous period that this dragon comes from are in contact. And then, mm -hmm. and then the way the people in the present contact all of this is through the anomaly that connects to the Middle Ages. Um, yeah. Now, we get... So that's the cold open. We go to the credits. We come back. And we are in Abby's home um, where we get introduced to her brother and we are learning that Abby's pet, uh, an exotic 
what she keeps telling everyone is an exotic lizard, but is actually also a little tiny dinosaur that she stole uh, from the past. And that's from the very first episode. So that's how I know that that that's she going to get in trouble for that. Well, that's the whole thing is so um, Connor knows in the first episode, Connor learns that she's taken Rex from whatever part of the past he's supposed to be from. And so then he's, Uh he keeps it secret so none of Abby's co-workers okay. other than Connor know that, that seems she like has that's gonna this. be a problem at some point yes in the it's show. it's very foolhardy um yeah. but it's also a problem because because Rex is miss missing she can't tell anybody about it mm. and so and her brother seems very nonplussed so this will I mean this is like a very loose I don't even know. It's not even a B story. Um, it's just like some kind of extra side thing that occasionally gets referenced again throughout this show. Um, so then we're at headquarters for this team of people who are looking at anomalies. Um, and Sarah actually finds an online auction with Rex as the item for sale um and she points out to connor she's like isn't this strange and connor is like don't worry about it i'll handle it um (laughs) and this is when connor calls up abby's brother and we learn that the reason that rex is being auctioned is because abby's brother is like a gambling addict and he's using him to pay isn't he like five years old he was he looked quite young to have a gambling problem I'll say that. It really, I didn't quite clock that. I mean, I guess I suppose, like, there's online, I guess that is what it would be, is probably online stuff, but still, like, he looked like he was about 12. Yeah, it was kind of a weird one, but we don't even really need to stay in this world, because this is not going to matter again until the very end of the episode. So, meanwhile, somewhere else near to London, uh, there's a junkyard, And something starts making all of, and it's a junkyard. It's like mostly like one of those junkyards where old cars seem to go to die. Mm -hmm. And there's like a guy who is a operator of a machine, which I don't, I didn't know what this machine was called when we tried to record this the first time. I still don't know what it's called (laughs) now. Um, But it's like the machine that like, picks things up and moves them from place to place. But it's a claw. It's like the claw yeah, machine. It's, yeah, it's like what you do at the arcade for a weird toy. Um, right. And so he's like moving cars around, but he's also noticing that there's like this various like strange stuff happening um, because I guess when the anomalies burst through, they like disrupt like the electromagnetic like things so they so like doors are opening and shutting on all of these different cars and like mm-hmm. a fool the machine operator decides to go and investigate what is going on i i i i just cannot stand i was watching a show the other day the investigation thing people uh-uh never investigate I was watching one and like granted it was like a horror-y type of thing where people are just so notor- notorious for investigating ridiculous things. But it was like right. this child 
saw a strange light in the neighbor's house that was abandoned, no. and she went to go look. She went to go look at the middle no. in the middle of the night. I Just was like, no. never percent chance would I ever do that. You should never investigate anything. Ever. Now, granted, she made the right call because she did find a missing girl, but still, Whoa. like <laughs> that seems intense. That, anyway, it was it was an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So like a whole. I thing, wondered like, if that was what you were something about <laughs> your description of like seeing a weird light in the neighbor's house after dark. I was like, that sounds like an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. <laughs> yeah, I was. So the you know consider the source, but still, like. That don't do that, guys. Like it's not no. smart. Don't do it. Absolutely not. Unless you are like a paid investigator, never right. investigate anything. Um, no. So this guy goes. He looks, and as he's kind of, I guess, discovering the anomaly, which is basically just like a bunch of shiny triangles or whatever, <laughs> um, a dragon. <laughs> Or better said, a dinosaur jumps out of the shiny triangle space. Um, and that's terrifying, I would say. I, I would probably never recover from seeing that. I mean, this guy recovers surprisingly, or like he reacts surprisingly, um, I guess, well. Like he, So he immediately like runs back to his machine and starts yeah. like using the swinging arm to like throw cars at the dinosaur. Um, I mean, that's pretty smart. That is like pretty thinking on your toes. Yeah, is- I don't know if I would be that like immediate. Like, oh, that's the next move. Um, I think no, I would just I try and run either. away. Um, I think I would fully freak out and probably get eaten. Like, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I don't is, think like, it would go well for me. Yeah, the thing is, is like. Even though maybe a number of different species of dinosaurs are carnivorous, I think it's probably a lot like sharks and other things. It's like, I don't think they necessarily want to eat me. Um, That's true. And as well... They might want to bite me till I die. Well, if you're making some kind of threatening motion or movement, or if you're (laughs) bugging them in some way, then sure, they're going to snap at you... And you may die from that, but it's not Do you know because... what you're supposed to do if you see a, a shark coming towards you in the water? Give up? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually the opposite of what you would think because I just, I learned this on like some online video this, this week or something, but um, you would think obviously swim away as fast as you can. That's what most people would, that's the impetus. Right. But like you said... Sharks, including great white sharks, don't actually want to eat humans. Like that's right. not they what don't really have a taste do. for them. Yeah, yeah. So what you're supposed to do, which is like, I mean, just float props there. to you if you can like fit. Well, you're supposed to stay, and you're supposed to actually put your hand. I mean, put your hand out onto its face if you can, and dr- and like just like push it basically. So just like push direct it. its energy. Well, you know, like I mean, it's in the water. It's not like. Yeah, you're supposed to put your hand on its head and kind of, like, direct it away from you. And it will, like, lose interest. Supposedly. That's what this video says. I don't know if I could be capable of that. (laughs) I mean, I've also heard you're supposed to, like, kick them in the nose, things like that. But, like, I don't think I would be capable of that either. Because I think, like, the actual 
paralyzing fear would set in and I wouldn't be able to be like, oh, I'm going to put my hand on this thing right no, now. No, I mean, like, I would be, yeah, like I would rather. And I would not feel comfortable just like hanging in the water. I would be like, I need to furiously try to swim away right now. Yeah, I feel like I could maybe, just because of fear and panic, I could maybe just float there and try to pretend that I don't exist. <laughs> like, I could maybe do that. Like, roll um, yourself into a ball and be like, and I'm just not be like, here. maybe, maybe the shark will ignore me if I just lay still. Like, I could maybe I, do that, but I don't think I would want to like touch it and then try and like direct it away. <laughs> I mean, it's it's terrifying, and like the video of it is terrifying too, but. Like, cause I, I had trouble even watching the video because all you see is, like, the shark coming towards and coming towards. And right. And it's like, oh, God, I don't like bad. it. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, um, if anyone wants to know how to avoid a shark attack, that's apparently how you do it. Well, good luck to everyone if you end up in that scenario, <laughs> I say. Um, if you do, please tell me the story and if it works. I, I don't know if I want to hear the story, honestly. Um <laughs> In this case, lucky for this guy, and actually kind of lucky for the dinosaur, um, the team shows up, and they stop the guy from killing this dinosaur, and basically what they've always been tasked with is their job is to find these dinosaurs and then shoo them back into their respective times one way or another. They're, pro- they're professional shooers. Indeed. Like, of- weird creatures that is weird um and so as they're trying to do this as they are trying to like move the dinosaur closer to the anomaly what should happen a knight emerges out of the anomaly um on a horse to happen very unexpected um and in latin he says uh, as he's come out and I guess he's taking in this world that he's in for the first time, he says, this is hell and my quest continues on to glory. Um, this will become relevant to what n- transpires next. So okay. uh, basically what ends up happening is that the dinosaur runs off one way. And Abby and this military guy, who's also part of the team, who I didn't mention because he barely is in this episode, a guy named Becker, they are teamed Mm -hmm. up to go off in search of the dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And Danny and Connor team up to figure out where the knight has gone. Meanwhile, Sarah, for reasons I don't fully understand, um, she's like the nerd of the group. And she does all the research and stuff. And so she like begs off and is like, I'm too scared. And Danny is like, okay, cool. You go back to HQ and like figure out some stuff. Um, It turns out she has HQ as like (laughs) professional shoers. Yeah. Professional dinosaur shoers do need their own HQ for sure. (laughs) Um, to hold all of the big giant brooms that they need to shoo the dinosaurs into the anomalies. I guess so. Um, so she, but she has a plan of her own that we'll see come to fruition shortly. Um, <laughs> we follow Danny and Connor out into the streets of London. 
um, who are, they're out looking for this knight. And when they find him, um, they're like, hey man, like we're trying to help you out. And he's like, no, 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 you're not people, you're demons because I'm in hell. Um, and then Connor has my favorite line. I think it's Connor. He has my yeah. favorite line in this show, which was, oh no, this isn't hell, it's London. But like, I get the confusion. I can see, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so this is this whole thing. So for the rest of the episode, the night for the most part is operating under the conditions that um, he is in hell, that the contemporary day is hell. <laughs> Um, and I that, mean, he's really not wrong. I mean, I think I said this when we recorded this the last time. I think if you uh, are a person who is brought out of your time, whether you're brought to the future or to the past, that's probably the reaction you're going to have, which is I this place so. is hell. <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so too because you're just not – for whichever thing you're like you're not prepared for it right like right. if we got thrust 20 years in the future we would be ill-equipped to handle whatever that is and same thing with the past right yeah so i mean there yeah, was like hell there's a brief time when people looked to the future and thought it would be great um but <laughs> i think that's over now so yeah well and also just like because we know how fast technology and all of that stuff goes and well I mean and there's also like the impending doom part but like right at least specifically like technology you would know that okay going ahead five years I am gonna really be lost when it comes to like what technology is gonna be even a bigger part of our life and you know 10 years, 15, 20 years, you're going to be like, fucked. Yeah. So the other thing, though, for the knight, unfortunately, is that he feels that his only way to escape hell is by killing what he thinks is a dragon because he has been sent on this holy quest by the priest at the beginning. So that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Danny and Connor (laughs) keep trying to, like, break this narrative, um, but... It doesn't work primarily because every time they bother the knight, he punches one of them in the face, they drop to the ground, and he walks away. (laughs) Um, Because I think we talked about this last time, too, that um, people of... This is another reason why it would be hell for us to go to the past. I mean, among the many reasons. Is that, like, people of the present are nowhere near as strong or as tough or as hardy as people of the past. <laughs> like, um, yeah, that's true. So this knight can just like knock these guys around no problem. Meanwhile, um, the dinosaur is not doing well because in the fight with the machine guy, it got some kind of, or maybe it was the knight himself, something gets like jammed into the dinosaur such that it has this kind of piece of wood or metal like sticking out of its shoulder. And so um, Abby then, because she's like the bleeding heart and she loves lizards and whatever. So her whole thing for the remainder of the episode is that she wants to restore this dinosaur to health. Meanwhile, um, Sarah goes through the anomaly into the past 
because she's done some research and she wants to, I guess maybe what we're supposed to imagine is that she's come up with a bit of a hunch, but then she wants to go mm -hmm. into the past to confirm this hunch. Um, yeah. where she, this is where it's she a goes. Really weird choice. Yeah, she, well, first she has to go to the costume store. So there's that. Um, oh, I can't with that. She, she does a, a brief, there's a brief clothing montage in this episode, which is interesting. <laughs> um, and then she finds a costume that she deems appropriate to go back to the past <laughs> to speak to a small child about... That's such, so many weird choices <laughs> in a row. <laughs> I know. To speak to a small child about the night and, like, what's going on. When she comes no. back... Wait, what? <laughs> Were you I was just something? going to point out... I mean, it's not... It's neither here nor there and not important, but I... What... How would we feel about that? Like, it's weird she does that. How would we feel if she did that and she was a man... And she went and talked to, like, a random little child as a man. Um, I think it would seem even creepier. I don't know if... It's not so much that she speaks to a kid that is weird to me. So much as, like, why aren't you talking to any adult? They're gonna know more about well, what's exactly. going on. Yeah, and I don't think like, she's being creepy with the kid. I don't mean it like that. But it is just, like, a really weird choice. Like, hmm... I need yeah. to get some, like, pertinent information. Who should I go to? Oh, this six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless it's something, like, she wants to keep a low profile, which is fair enough, because yeah, that's the thing, is, like, like I said before, like, they're not as concerned with, like, impacting the future by actions in the past, because this, like, mm -hmm. because, well, one, we're dealing with, like, really incredible amounts of time difference, which is to say, like, millions and millions yeah. of years most of the time. But it's also animals, so it's like, to the degree that they might remember something, like, I guess it maybe doesn't matter. But So yeah. maybe that's why she's like, yeah. I can't really interact with someone who might have a... But, like, she doesn't know what this kid that's is. That's like, But... That's true. What if the kid is, like, a wizard? Right. <laughs> who comes king someday or whatever. Um, yeah. But anyways, she comes back to the present with the information that this child provided her, and... Actually, the child provides her with kind of a lot of information because uh, she then calls Danny and is like, hey, so this guy you've been tracking, he's not just any old medieval person who can punch you in the face. He's not even <laughs> just any old knight who can punch you in the face. He is a trained mercenary who made all of his money working as a professional soldier and has killed, you know, dozens and dozens of people. And he has been tasked with killing this dragon um, because it's his, like, holy ritual to cleanse himself of all of the death and destruction and mayhem that he did in the past. So, basically, it's like he has to do this or he won't go to heaven. Yikes. So, it sounds like they're pretty screwed. Yeah, like, he's really committed to this line <laughs> of behavior. Um, yeah. So this is when the knight then is wandering around and he finds the church that existed in the past as well. Now, however, it's mm -hmm. in ruins. He also finds his own grave. 
which he feels is like even more confirmation that he's in hell because he's seeing his own grave. He's seeing his dead body. Um, <laughs> this is when both... That would be terrifying, I'll be honest. I don't think I would like to see like my own I, dead body or my burial place or anything. I mean, the burial place like would be that. like a, enough of... Yeah, the burial place would be like enough of a mind, you know, situation... But definitely not, like, my actual body. That would be just, like, really definitely traumatizing. Not. Yeah. Now, both Danny and Sarah find him around-ish the same time. And he does not react well to this um, because he's still operating under the belief that they're demons. Um, and Sarah, in particular, tries to show him, like, no. Because he's like, look at this, you know, I, I, I here's my dead body. This proves, like, I'm in hell. And she's like, no, you haven't read the rest of the tombstone. And the rest of the tombstone says that he's married to Lady Elizabeth and that they have kids and, like, all this stuff. And he is like, but that's not real. That's some kind of trick because that hasn't happened to me. And um, Sarah, basically, what Sarah has now set herself up to do is try and explain the concept of time travel to someone who has <laughs> never been exposed to that concept before. Mm. Which basically yeah, is impossible. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was because it would sound like any explanation you came up with would sound like you're a demon trying to trick the, him. Right. Well, because like that's the thing is like his way of understanding anything fantastical or unusual or what we in our present day might use science or magic or religion mm -hmm. or something to describe and explain and conceptualize. Mm -hmm. All he has is Christianity to do all of that. Right. Like it's not separate, right? Um, right. So... And, and particularly as, as far out as the Bible and similar books are from this era, I'm pretty sure time travel is not a part of it. Um, so I, yeah, I would bet the same. So for, so basically, like, I didn't quite realize this until I started, like, talking about it now and thinking about it the last time we talked about it too, like... She is literally the first person to try and explain to him what time travel is. Yeah, and it's like, that's a good problem. luck. Like, you're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> like, this person has no frame of reference for this. Like, um, yeah. and so anyway, she's almost on the verge of seeming to convince him that his, his new destiny is not to kill the dragon, but rather to marry this lady and live a nice life. But mm -hmm. in the context of explaining that to her, he realizes that she knows where the dinosaur is. And so he takes her as a hostage and is like, you have to take me to that dragon right the fuck now or I'm going to kill you. So... Uh, everybody then returns to the junkyard where Abby has been um, kind of reviving the dinosaur from its injury. And the knight comes in and he, he immediately is like trying to stab this dinosaur, um, which ultimately Abby steps in his way 
And when he asks her to like move aside, I guess because um, probably there's, they don't say this, but I assume this is some sort of chivalry thing where he like doesn't kill women, probably. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, it's just a probably, but you know, let's say yeah, that's yeah. a thing. Cause he pauses and he's like, get out of the way. I'm going to kill this thing. And she's like, I refuse to do it. And even when he holds his like big sword up to her, she just turns, um, she literally like turns the other cheek and is like, go ahead. I'd glad, and he's like, you die to protect this thing. And she was like, yeah, I would gladly do it. And so this like gives the knight pause. Danny is like, see, is that the kind of behavior of a demon? So finally this knight accepts that who he's been interacting with are people um though I think it's I don't think he's ever I don't think he knows exactly where he is because it's he doesn't time travel is still not a thing for him like yeah wherever he is he doesn't necessarily think it's hell but he I don't think he thinks I don't know what he thinks but um I don't think he has any concept that it's like the future either um, so this is finally where they're able to convince him, like, you will make sure that the dinosaur gets back to where it belongs. It will never come back to your village. Um, so your quest is over. Go and, like, be with this woman. That's what you need to do. Um, so that's, so then we see that happen. He goes through the anomaly, um, and tells everyone that the beast has been vanquished. Everyone celebrates. He kisses this lady and it's like, yay. Um, and then the final scene is a, right back to more or less where we started, where um, Connor has enlisted the help of Becker to get Rex back from the person who is auctioning him off. And mm-hmm. specifically what happens is Connor knocks on the door. Some doof of a guy shows up. And he's like, give me back that lizard. And he's like, who's going to make me? You and what army? And then, of course, Connor moves away. The camera pans out. And we see Becker and two other guys with big guns come back. And it's like, yay, everything has been (laughs) resolved. Problems, crisis averted. For Um, like a day until the next thing. Until the next. The anomalies, I guess. Indeed. Correct. (laughs) This is a very monster of the week uh, show yeah for sure yeah, yeah um now in terms of yawns and eye rolls one mm-hmm. yawn is i was engaged by this and i bought in and 10 yawns is i was absolutely not engaged by this and couldn't pay attention to save my life what would you give it woof uh i you know it was one that felt very like background tv show to me just like even having watched even watching it for the first time i did find myself having trouble like fully paying attention um i did find it a little bit boring so i would say like probably six or seven for me yeah i agree i would maybe like i was slightly more engaged than you probably but like similarly Mm -hmm. it's a napping show i can tell that from the start um, yeah. so the, the, I, yeah, that's a five for me. Like it's, yeah. and it's nice that like, you know, and, and this isn't actually a dig. It's just true. 
Like sometimes it's nice to have something where it's like, oh, I can like sort of zone out through part of it. And I still, by the end, know what happened. Like, Yeah, a hundred percent. And it really is, it is uh, pretty much a thing of the past. I feel like almost yeah. any new show that is out, like very few exceptions, you know, can you really like breeze in and out of without yeah. being like, I'm fully lost. Yeah, well, certainly, like, I now sometimes find that I have to rewind back, like, the 10-second button. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, oh, yeah. Um, and, and I guess oh, what I would, also, I would also say, it's not only that the episode structure itself is a bit, like, I can kind of be loosey-goosey with it. Even the whole show itself. Like, mm. this is a standalone episode in the middle of season yeah. three. Um, whereas, and I've talked about this, sometimes finding a TV show to watch is actually harder than anything else because especially with newer stuff, it is like, this is a serial format. And so I, I, we can't just drop in, in the middle. And I also don't always want to do a pilot episode either, you know, like, so it's just, so this is nice. true. In that sense. So I appreciate it for that. I'll give it yeah. what it's, you know, it's it's got its place. Yeah. And then for eye rolls, we have one eye roll, which is, eh, I mean, this seems not that crazy. Um, <laughs> and then 10 eye rolls is like, this is just beyond belief. Um, what would you give it? It's hard because, like, you know, I bought it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like we're talking multiple doors to multiple time periods all the way back to like dinosaur times like um and it's and even though they thought it was going to be like doctor who it's definitely not um i would say it's pretty eye rolly but like that doesn't mean that it's bad but i would say specifically eye rolly i'd probably say 7 or 8 Oh, that's weird. Because I would actually, again, just give it a five because, Mm. um, you know, and I think it's related to the first one, which is, in a sense, this is pretty formulaic. This is a monster of the week thing. Yeah. um, With a bit of time travel in it. And (laughs) even by 2007, 2009, etc., they're not really coming up with new concepts or anything that's like, true um yeah. this isn't really off the wall this isn't really super duper campy um it's just like a run-of-the-mill i like science fiction i want a, a monster move i want a monster of the week like you know um so to me it's right down the middle it's like we have this world it's going people like it we're going to produce <laughs> a show a week that's it you know yeah Um, so ultimately then, did you like this and would you recommend it? Uh, I, you know, (laughs) that's hard. Um, did I like it? Yeah, sure. It was fine. Would I, would I personally ever watch it again? Probably not. Mm. Would I recommend it? Um, I might, if someone were curious, I would say it's pretty easily accessible. I believe here yeah, it's I on prime it on hulu oh okay. yeah i think here and I in australia it it's on prime for free so so it's 
so it's like accessible and that's always like a a big one in terms of like would I waste my time. <laughs> right, right, right. Um so so yeah, sure, if you're into that kind of thing. Me personally, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would say that I liked it and I would recommend it primarily for this kind of like relaxing nature of it as like yeah. um if you're yeah, cuz if you're a science fiction person and you much like myself are like I like these new more edgy science fiction shows but like I can't be doing that all the time but like, like I need a break yeah yeah this is good for that now the one caveat mm-hmm. I would add is the picture quality is bad um yeah I don't know what's going on there um mm. because there are shows that are older than this that have better picture quality so I'm not really I sure I noticed that too Mm. yeah I, I don't like it because I was just like well it's old <laughs> yeah but I thought it was very it's like uniquely strange because at first it was like I was mm. like oh is my internet being slow like um because yeah. it gives you it's not pixelated but it has that quality of like when it's maybe not it's running at full yeah it's like yeah. a little bit blurry yeah. um and I don't know what it is because yeah it's it's a weird one because there are older shows that don't yeah. look like that. But for whatever reason, yeah. something weird is going on there. So that's a slight bummer. But otherwise, yeah. I would say I liked it and I would recommend it for those of you who are whose interest is piqued by today's episode. So yep. thank you, Amy. And thank you, everyone. As always, I am Sarah and uh, with Amy, of course. And we will see you next week. <laughs> In space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.